Welcome to the Parents Against Vaping e-Cigarette Pave podcast, Big Tobacco Messed with the Wrong Moms. I'm Meredith Berkman. And I'm Dorian Furman, and we're the Wrong Moms. And we are really happy to have with us today another one of the, quote, wrong moms. And by that, we mean really the right moms, the moms who are fighting back against the youth vaping epidemic and the predatory behavior of big tobacco going after our kids. And that is our partner and friend, Kathy, from Connecticut. And we're really grateful to have connected with Kathy in this work. And um, just a couple of weeks ago, Kathy very courageously um, stood up, well, on Zoom, um, and testified about her family's experience and her son's um, severe nicotine addiction at a public hearing in the state of Connecticut, where we are uh, working, um, hopefully, uh, for laws that will end the sale of all flavored e-cigarettes and all flavored tobacco products in Connecticut. So, Kathy, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. And really, we um, we applaud you for taking that step to go public with something so painful. And we hope that today, for all of the parents and others who care about kids who are listening out there, you'll do the same. So please, tell us your story. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it is difficult to go public. And, I, and, you know, thank you for referencing the courage it takes because there are so many of us out there who want to stand up and do this. But um, it's so hard because, you know, you're just even embarrassed to admit that your child vapes. Um, so I'll take you back to, you know, really the height of embarrassment for me as a mother and, uh, you know, friend. And I was like finding those things when my son was 13 years old, those little, you know, green, usually green, sometimes orange, it's either menthol or mango, jewel, tops of the jewel pods, right? In the laundry, uh, on the floor, in his drawers. And, you know, I'm like, what is this? Uh, and then occasionally I would find, you know, the little uh, charging device, which looks like a USB port, or, you know, I would find those wires from the phone chargers, like spliced. <laughs> uh, you know, I would be buying phone charger after phone charger, like what is going on? And it, it took me a little while, you know, I'm fairly savvy and it still took me a while to figure out that he was indeed vaping. And after a lot of um, discussion and detective work, I mean, I'm a mom, I'm not a detective, right? But I had to quickly become one. Um, I realized that for social acceptance, he had started to vape. And it happened the summer between his seventh and eighth grade year, very young, went away to a five-week program, a wonderful program uh, where he could take classes and hang out with friends. Um, and that's where it all began, unfortunately. And it was the source of a ton of tension between him and me and with him and his family. And we all tried so hard to police him. Again, your family should not be policing you, right? They shouldn't have to feel this stress of, you know, trying to catch you in the act or trying to find these things. But that's what it came down to, sadly. And we were all thinking that, you know, he can stop this if he wants to, right? Like, why doesn't he just stop? He knows it's wrong. He knows it's not good for him. Um, and it took us many years, actually, to realize that he couldn't stop it. it. It's not his fault. He is addicted. And that's what's so upsetting to me and what has forced me to tell my story. It's his story, but it's also my story. It's the story of our family because it has brought us so much tension and pain and sadness, quite frankly. 
you spend your entire life as a mother trying to keep your child safe, right? And I remember so well as a young mom, having seen so many of my own family members die of cancer related to smoking, how relieved I was to think that as a society, we had beaten big tobacco, right? We had finally come full circle and we had reduced those smoking rates so low to the point that teen smoking wasn't even a big deal. Like, you know, I mean, my friends who were fortunate enough to have teenagers in that time frame, were like, yeah, the kids don't smoke, right? Nobody liked the smell of it. They could get caught. We were on to big tobacco. And then all of a sudden, what happened? In through the back door comes these big tobacco companies with flavored e-cigarettes, right? And my, my youngest son had the best example of all. He said, you know, they made it pleasant. They made it fun. These guys are teenagers. They're babies, really, right? Their brains are not developed. And yet they're being tempted, both on a social level, on a physical level, and even just being a teenager. You're rebellious. You want to break away from your parents somewhat. That's a natural you know, adolescent feeling. And, and if you didn't have it, you're not normal, right? And so if I say don't vape, well, okay, mom says don't vape, maybe I'll try it, you know? Or they don't take you seriously when you say, this can really be harmful to you, right? Because teenagers feel invincible. And so he vaped and he vaped and he vaped to the point where the nicotine levels in these pods are so high that it actually has a dysregulating effect on the brain and on the person. And he became like a different person. If you, be, if you got between him and his nicotine, watch out, right? He was angry. He would wake up in the morning and if he couldn't get his nick fit, like he, or nick, um, what would he call it? He called it my nick fix, right? If he couldn't get his nick fix, he threw a nick fit. And I was like, I don't buy it. But it was real. And I lived it. I was on the receiving end of that abuse, right? Because we went through a period of time where if I found it, I would confiscate it. If uh, he if he knew that I confiscated it, it would be a confrontation. Uh, if it wasn't a confrontation, he would hide it in a backpack with a lock on the zipper. Right. <laughs> I mean, we're talking, I went to such great lengths to prevent this child, child, keep in mind, these are children, right? From getting this neurotoxin that he was putting into his body on a regular basis. All right. I went so far as to go down to the local store and say, see this picture? Do not sell this child tobacco products because he is underage and you are violating the law. What was their response to that? You know, some people were so kind about it and they were like, I'm so sorry. We'll make sure to tell the staff. And then other people were actually nasty about it and say, and denying it. And, you know, I would say, well, and he's like, how can you come here in front of my customers and tell me that I'm selling tobacco products to minors? And I was like, because it's true and it's not right. And he tried to turn the tables on me. You know, I'm a longstanding business owner in this town. How dare you, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? In my area, and I'm just a mom, I can tell you the three retailers that sell to these children all the time. Right. To the point where I called the local police office, police department, and I said, please, you know, do not 911. Of course, I called the general line and I said, can you please do something about this? They referred me to the Drug Enforcement Task Force. No call back. Because they don't treat nicotine the way that they should treat nicotine, right? 
we're talking it is one of the top five most addictive substances in the world. And we're letting children use it on a regular basis. And yet it's not getting regulated and it's not, the enforcement is not there. You know, Kathy, you said so much that, that sounds so familiar to me and, and my experience and, and other um, and other families' experiences. But one thing I'd like to just point out is that Juul came out not only with this incredibly techno-chic, high nicotine-containing device um, and then marketed it as fun lifestyle ads. As you said, it was fun. It was, everyone was doing it. But the nicotine that Juul created is called a nicotine salt. And it is so much more addictive than the nicotine from regular combustible cigarettes. And you describe this intense addiction. And I don't think people who have not experienced it can really understand just how intense this addiction is. These nicotine salt this nicotine salt goes directly to the teen's brain. It hits so fast, it creates this instant head rush, but then it depletes so quickly, so they have to keep replenishing it. And it, 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 it creates an imbalance in the brain chemicals and the brain function and the dopamine and the serotonin levels. And it just, I mean, you, you describe your son becoming um, a different person. That is something we hear over and over. I mean, I've experienced it personally, but that nicotine is so intense and so strong that it just it it just wrecks havoc with with teens' brains. And I actually, Kathy, I mean, you you've said so much that is so important. I I wanted to ask you a little bit about your son because when you say that he became a different person, I mean, I I I apologize if it's painful, but you obviously are so strong and determined, and you know, really, we're we're so I don't want to say proud; it sounds condescending. I mean that proud to stand with you in this fight because you clearly are going to empower so many others. I mean, just what you said about marching down there with the picture. I mean, we've heard that from other people, and it's like we have to all be. The, the way to be the right parents, the right moms, is to be, quote, the wrong moms that, that, that these tobacco companies are messing with. But could you talk a little bit about what your son was like before and then what how you felt that he changed? And I would include, if you would, there was a story that you told that day at the hearing that was so um, so disturbing and so powerful and I think is, is probably very emblematic of what happens to kids with that kind of addiction. So if you could. Absolutely. And, and when you and uh, Dorian were just speaking, I was thinking how about the brain chemistry and it's so terribly important. And this is what people are not focusing on. That dopamine pathway that they're disrupting, they're literally depriving their body of the ability to know how to produce dopamine because they're getting it from external sources, right? So what do we need dopamine for? We need dopamine to feel good right? We need dopamine, dopamine to feel happy. And one area that people are not as focused on as I believe they should be is the, men the toll on the mental health of these children, right? We are in the middle of a pandemic. Um, so the suicide rates and the anxiety rates and the rates of depression are even higher than they were before for teenagers. They were already quite high, right? You talk to any teen teenager and they're depressed, um, especially today. And so a lot of the vaping, I think, is the result of needing coping strategies to deal with their lives, right? And sadly, it's a very easy coping strategy. It's a quick fix, as you mentioned, Dorian. You know, they get that hit quickly, and it's instant gratification, right? 
but they need it over and over and over and over again. And that's exactly what I saw in him. I saw a a young teenager who was a bullion, uh, just like, you know, found the joy in everything, uh, so intellectually curious, loved nature, loved fishing, loved being outdoors, you know, just a really loved reading with me, just a wonderful, warm, happy person. And then you hit your teenage years. And yes, those are fraught with anxiety, right? You know, are people going to like me? Will I have friends? Um, you know, will I succeed in school? And that's when things change. It's already a difficult time. Then you're surrounded by, as you reference, this marketing campaign and friends who say, try this new cool, sleek device, which is like a candy flavor, mango, right? And automatically, you're drawn to it. Like that red button, like someone could say, don't touch it, but you're going to touch it right? And then you touch it and you touch it again and you touch it again and then you're hooked because it doesn't take long at all, right? But sadly, it creates this downward spiral where you need that substance more and more. Your body is less able to produce the natural dopamine and it leads to depression and anxiety. And more importantly, it leads to shame, right? It leads to shame because you know deep down you're not supposed to be doing this. Your parents don't want you to do it. And, and it could potentially damage your health, for sure. But they, you know, they don't really think about the health part, right? But the shame is like a vicious cycle. The more shame they feel, the more they're going to feel bad about themselves. The worse they feel about themselves, the more they're going to be, right? And sadly, my youngest informs me that now, because a lot of these kids are home, uh, they're not in school as much, they're bored, they're sad. They're looking for instant gratification that we can't find in our everyday activities because of the pandemic. More and more kids are vaping at home. And I said, well, how come you don't hear about it as much? He said, mom, it's just the norm. We've let it become the norm. And Meredith, you referenced that horrible, horrible, sad episode in our family, which scarred us all. Um, And again, it kind of underscored how as a parent, you don't know how to address this problem. You don't know what the right thing to do is because it's like, it's beyond us. It's beyond our abilities. I was in a deep conversation with him having taken his jewel, right? He was trying to reason with me for 30 to 45 minutes about how it's really safe. There are all these studies online that say it's safer than cigarettes. It's not that bad for you, mom, blah, blah, blah. They're recommending it. And Finally, I was like, well, sorry, I'm not giving it back to you. I'm just not. He was, he was so mad. You could see the anger seething from within that I was standing in the way of him and his nicotine that he ran upstairs and literally grabbed the largest kitchen knife out of the block and held it to his throat and said, you have to give that back to me or I'm going to kill myself. We were floored. My husband, I mean, I was like literally like about to throw back the jewel and say, hey, fine, you know what I mean? That would have been the wrong thing to do. My husband did the right thing to do, you know, which was call an ambulance in the middle of a snowstorm. But boy, oh boy, that, that scarred us, right? It, it underscored the fact that we were powerless. Here we were watching our child basically ruin his health, not only his physical health, but his mental health. And we're trying to save his life by taking away the jewel. And then we're almost killing him as a result of taking the jewel away. I mean, do you, do you, I, I think I'm just so struck by the powerlessness that we as parents are suffering. And it's only worse for the kids because that's the other thing that my youngest has taught me 
He's like, the kids are so afraid to come to their parents, right? And admit that they have a problem because they're so ashamed. But even if they do, what can you as a parent do? The answers are not easy. And I asked my youngest that. He's like, mom, the only answer is to make it unavailable to us. Right. And then they'll move on to something else. I mean, unfortunately, you are not a powerless parent. And that's what all of this, your advocacy and your willingness to come forward and educate others um, is taking back the power from both the addiction and from big tobacco for addicting this generation of kids. That's why it's so important and we're so grateful. But what happened when, when you called the ambulance? I mean, this horrible moment, I, I, I can imagine it as a parent because we hear these stories. So I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it and being in that moment, what happened? And how did you, how, was that a turning point or not? And how did you get help? I think it would be important for us to understand that as well. Yeah, it was a turning point on one level in that it made him realize that he can't bluff to do something like that, which which it was. It was a bluff, right? But it it showed you the power struggle that was going on and how desperate the addiction makes these kids that they would actually do that. And so he literally had to ride to the hospital and go through a full psychiatric examination and convince the doctors and everyone there uh, that he was not a danger to himself or others. I mean, what a traumatic experience, right? And yet we had to do that to say, look, like, you can't do that. You can't threaten to kill yourself over nicotine, <laughs> right? And so it was a turning point on that level. He hasn't done that since. Um, however, it also made us realize that we needed to get him help for his addiction, right? And so the following summer, uh, which was only several months later, we actually sent him to a wilderness program, right? You've heard of them. They're, you know, far away, out west. The kids are far away from the convenience stores. They have no access to their phones, and so they can't get nicotine. And he said the first two weeks were literally the most difficult weeks of his life in terms of the way he felt physically, like just so physically ill from the withdrawal. Right. And he came back from those eight weeks out there. He looked like the person he was before in terms of his, he finally had his color back. He had, you know, the sparkle in his eye, the, the lighter feeling of just being himself again. Right. And, but sadly, it wasn't too long before he was at school in a group, people offering him vapes. And that's, that's the sort of, thing that we expect these children to, we talked about this in the hearing, people think education is the answer, but it's not really. I mean, if an adult who smokes cigarettes has such a hard time quitting, how do we expect a 14, 15 year old to have the motivation, the strength of character, you know, the coping strategies to wean themselves from something so powerfully addictive? Well, it's a physical addiction. And I think, um, you know, we've, we've spoken with psychiatrists and um, addiction specialists and this, this, this high level of nicotine addiction changes their brain and that's a permanent change. So you can get them off the nicotine, but their brain is permanently changed to it's rewired and they will continue to crave it and need it. And they will, you know, from just different um, experts we've spoken to, it can take 10, 15 times for them to quit and they may never fully quit because 
their brain has been rewired. You know, let's not forget that these kids, their brain is still developing. Their brain is malleable. They are supposed to be learning and imprinting and their brain is still changing. So for them to become addicted to anything at such a young age, it permanently changes their brain. And that's another reason why this is such an urgent crisis because we cannot let an entire generation of, of kids become lifetime nicotine addicts. And that's what's happening. I agree, Dorian. And what you're talking about is theoretical. And I can completely understand that, right? That's how I think, right? But even on a practical level, it interferes with their brain and their learning. Because I also referenced in the hearing a couple of weeks ago, it affected his everyday life to the point where he could not get through a 42-minute high school class without needing to vape, right? And so the, the more they get in trouble in school for vaping, the more they don't want to go to school. I mean, I, I know it sounds extreme, but no, it it's doesn't. true. Not to us. We hear this all the time. Yeah. And then and, and my youngest son would say he, he included, and a lot of his friends would not even use the bathroom at school because every single stall was taken up with kids vaping. Right. Everything the jewel stuff. room, as it used to be called when the kids were in school, until the jewel room became your the bathroom in your own home or your own apartment because the kids weren't in school. Exactly. And so on a practical level, it's interfering with everyday life for these children. And again, they're children, right? It's interfering with school, attention span. It's causing more anxiety because, you know, when they start to run out, they're like, how am I going to get it again? Right. They're always thinking about how to get the next one. They'll do almost anything to get it. And sadly, there are people out there who make it easy to get it. My youngest, again, was telling me that on TikTok, if someone, you know, is like, there's a video of them drooling, all someone has to do on the bottom is respond to them and say, how can I get my hands on that puff bar that has since been banned, right? So the kids are saying, just Venmo me this, right? It used to be that I used to intercept the mail because they would have to be signed for, right? He would try to order, right? But now there's none of the, no regulation like that because they're getting it, you know, through TikTok. Um, they're getting it through these through retailers Snapchat. again. Right. right. And Snapchat. Snapchat. And the kids are delivering it to each other. Right. So and you that's said one of Venmo. Yeah. That we've reached out to the Federal Trade Commission um, several times about the about the issue of the regulation. Let me uh, on the Internet. I want to ask you more a little bit more about your son. He came back from the wilderness program and I don't know how old he is now and what else you have tried and how he's doing now, because I think, again, I as 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 painful and as. Um, as severe a story this is of intense nicotine addiction and as specific as it is to your own family, it is really common. And I say that not to diminish in any way your own family's experience, but actually to, again, empower others who are listening to understand they're not alone. After he came back from the wilderness program and then he was, again, in which makes sense, right? This has changed the social norm, over, overturned the social norm. Um, how did he manage and how have you been able to manage and how is he now? Well, sadly, I, I wish I could share a success story with you. And I think that's why I referenced the powerlessness that I do feel as a mom. I mean, it, it literally pains me every day that he still vapes and quite frequently. Um, I mean, literally you could stand next to him and sometimes I'm overwhelmed with the smell of the vape on his body and his clothes. I mean, I get a headache from the sense of it. Uh, we have these ongoing battles, you know, I mean, he's 19 years old now. He's been vaping for six years on and off. Um, we have literally tried every cessation program out there 
you know, we've tried nicotine gum, nicotine patches, we've tried medication, we've tried the wilderness program, we've tried tough love, right, taking your phone away, right, you know, confiscating the jewels. And after a while, honestly, you, you don't give up, but you definitely feel defeated. And so I did not like that feeling. And I'm like, you know what, I may not be able to save him from this addiction, but I might be able to save another child from this addiction. And uh, boy, I mean, you, you have to channel your grief and your anger somehow. Because he's not doing well, I will tell you, um, you know, he's doing better. He managed to graduate high school, but only by the grace of God than going online, <laughs> right? But for that, I don't think he would have graduated high school, to be honest, because of needing to vape so frequently. I mean, how sad is that, right? You know, to be quite capable of finishing high school, but for your addiction to a neurotoxin that the companies are marketing to 13-year-olds, right? And, and even now, I, I believe it interferes with his life because there are people and other uh, friends of his who I think look down upon him for vaping and not being you know, cognizant of the fact that he kind of can't help it, right? And so they don't want to hang out with him. And quite frankly, sometimes I don't want to hang out with him because I don't want to be, I don't like that smell. I don't want it in my house. I don't want to breathe it in. I was recently diagnosed with cancer and unrelated to, of course, my lungs. But boy, like that interferes with my ability to stay healthy. I don't want his brothers breathing it. And the irony is, you know, again, when they're young, you do so much to try to keep them safe, right? You do everything in your power. And then this comes in through the back door. Like who would have ever thought? Well, uh, Kathy, I mean, we we hope and pray. For, I'm sure, as anyone listening to this story, will that that your son um, remains healthy and that he will um, be able at some point to conquer this addiction. But I also, I'm curious. Does he know? Has he heard your testimony? Does he know that you've taken this fight on? We understand the feeling of powerlessness, and that's why, again, we think it's so important for all of us, all of the wrong moms, as we you know, refer to ourselves, to fight back. Because anyone who's listening to your story, anyone who is a parent, anyone who loves a child or cares about children or cares about the future, can't help but be horrified, um, but also can't help but feel uh, electrified by your strength and your willingness to put yourself out there and your family's pain to help others. And I wonder, is your son able to access that or perhaps your younger children understand how does your family feel about your coming forward to help others? I, I they are aware of it. And my younger son, I think would be an amazing advocate in by himself without me. And, and his point was, mom, why are the adults thinking that they can solve this? Like, why don't they come talk to us kids about how to solve it, right? So I thought that was a really important point. And, um, and his take on it was, why don't we address the kids' anxiety and depression and sadness and help them build their coping strategies, you know, rather than just tell them how bad vaping is, right? You know, like, why don't you get to the source of why they're vaping a little bit more? Um, with respect to my older son, he's aware that I'm doing it. He hasn't quite embraced it for himself because unfortunately, and I can understand this, he feels like it's a personal affront to him because it's now who he is. And um, like even the other day, I was watching someone, you know, take a huge puff on a cigarette and then go in to a store and I, I grimaced and I was like, oh, and he took it as a personal affront because, you know, he does it too. 
And I don't mean to shame him. I'm just literally repulsed by it. Not only the smell and, you know, I just don't like that, but the, the knowledge of what it's doing to them. And, and I think that's what's so important in this day and age. Like it took years, right, of studies to figure out what cigarettes were doing to our population. It's gonna take many more years to figure out what the vaping is doing to uh, several generations really, you know, and- Our kids are lab rats. Right, right. It's so scary to me that we're watching, as you mentioned it earlier, Dorian, we're watching this crisis unfold in front of our very eyes. We have to do something about it. And, and I unfortunately think that, um, you know, those vaping related illnesses were all in the news before the pandemic hit. Um, I think they're there still. But they we are. are. So, yeah. We're so overwhelmed as a country with the pandemic and with the politics and race relations and all these terrible things that are going on around us, right, that we can't even focus on the vaping related illnesses and the way that COVID and vaping are related, you know, and the way that we are unfortunately going to have another generation who is blasted with cancer, lung-related illnesses, all these terrible things that I have seen play out in my own family that I thought we could prevent. This is the point, Kathy, is that we as parents have to do everything in our power to prevent it. And that's why having you share your story today and a few weeks ago in Connecticut, and I hope as you will continue to do so, you know, both locally and nationally, it's really, really important that we fight back. And the best way to fight back is to share these stories so that people understand what's happening. If people are listening and today and have heard your story, we want them to join us, to join all of us in this fight because obviously removing flavored tobacco products from the market is the only way we will be able to keep kids from getting these products. We need parents, Kathy, like you. And not everybody will have the courage to step forward, and that's fine. Parents can still join us by you know, going on our website, parentsagainstvaping.org, and sending an email directly to the FDA, telling them we, they have the authority to take these products off the market. They had it yesterday, they have it today, they have it tomorrow, and they haven't done it. We want them to do it, and they have to do it now. People can send letters to their own local officials in your state of Connecticut or in their own state. There are so many ways that parents can take back the power and help not only their own kids, protect their own kids, but all of our kids. So again, we want to thank you so much for joining us, for sharing this, and for inspiring us, and I'm sure so many other people who have heard and hopefully will soon hear your story. So thank you. You are welcome. I'm happy to do it. Do you have a teen or young adult at home that vapes? This is Quitting is a free and anonymous text message program designed to help young people quit vaping. Teens and young adults can text Ditch Vape to 88709 to sign up today. That's provided by Truth, the National Youth Tobacco Prevention Campaign from our partner and sponsor, uh, The Truth Initiative. It's the first of its kind program that helps young people feel motivated, inspired, and supported while quitting. More than 150,000 young people have enrolled since the program launched in January 2019. The messages include evidence-based tips and strategies to quit, combined with real feedback from young people. Again, teens and young adults can enroll by texting Ditch Vape to 88709. Truth Initiative also offers free text messages for parents who are helping their children quit vaping. 
I myself enrolled in this program as well and would get different ideas and tips to help support my son. You can join the program by texting QUIT to 202-899-7550 or by visiting becomeanx.org to sign up. To learn more about Truth Initiative and its programs, visit truthinitiative.org.